extra event. It's um, Mike Lloyd, who is uh, Johnny Gumbel's tutor. Johnny is our student placement here. And he got married this week um, to a lovely lady, I'm sure. I've not met her, but um, got married to a lovely lady in, uh, in a little village outside Cambridge. And the, and the village in Cambridge is called Ugly. So it turns out, it turns out that Mike Lloyd's mother-in-law is actually president of the Ugly Women Society. <laughs> How much mileage is he going to have on that? It's just because he, he speaks around about the place. But not, it, it, it gets worse, if that's the right way to put it, because um, there's a neighbouring village to Ugly called Nasty. <laughs> look it up on the map, look it up on the map. And uh, apparently in the local paper a little while ago, uh, the headline was, Nasty Man Marries Ugly Woman. <laughs> <laughs> so much mileage for Mike. I'm so jealous that he's got that great sort of talk opening. And I haven't. Here we are, John 15, the parable of the vine. Uh, we better pray. Father, the familiar uh, imagery to many of us, but even if we uh, are just receiving this for the first time, this image of the vine and the branches and what you're teaching us, then please, by your spirit, uh, we seek that kind of breakthrough revelation for us and our lives. We thank you for the gift of your word and for your spirit that enlivens it to us. Now help us for these next few minutes, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last week, if you were here, um, I just employed this uh, metaphor of um, living life like trying to walk up the down escalator. Um, That so many of us attempted to kind of put in that effort of of, of clumping up the down escalator. expending all that effort and uh, suggesting that actually that was probably quite true to life given that in Paul's words in his letter to the church in, in Rome, he talks about the whole of creation, the whole world being in bondage to decay. And I, I, I talked about this sort of just this natural decay where if we just stand and do nothing, we are, our lives will just sort of slip and slide away into, into decay. So if you know, if we don't brush our teeth, if we don't look after our bodies, if we don't wash, um, if we don't practice our golf swing, then over a while, we, after a time, we, we realize that all these things basically just um, waste away. And Jesus here is wanting to equip his, his disciples to live and to flourish and to grow in that context where there will be, as he goes on to say, um, actually hardship and suffering. Uh, he, he's going to promise, as you know, that uh, he will come in the presence of his spirit to, to uh, guide and lead them into truth, to strengthen them, to encourage them. But he wants them to flourish, to grow, to be whole under him. And so this uh, little parable here in John 15 of the vine, and, and in particular, I just want to focus this week, and we'll look at different aspects of this parable in the next few weeks. But I want to focus on verse 5. Page 1023. Jesus summing it up like this. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Remain in me. That The whole secret of the vine's health and vitality, the individual branch's ability to live and to produce fruit, is in its 
connection, ongoing, vital connection to the, to the branch, uh, to the stem and to the whole vine. Its life, its strength, its fruitfulness entirely depends on that. No branch has direct access to the moisture or the nutrients in the soil except that it is connected to the, to the main stem. There can't be individual branch living. Branch life, health, vitality, everything, fruitfulness, derives from connection to the vine. Remain in me, Jesus says, and I will remain in you. I will remain in you. His life, his vital life, his organic growing life, his resourcing life, his inspiring life, his freeing life, will be in you. I'd love to invite you into the challenge of just meditating for this coming week on, on that. Remain in me and I in you. In you. His life in you. I, I dare say that every single one of us here today, we would be willing to a greater or lesser extent to affirm Jesus' influence on us, his teaching or his ethical code have great bearing on us. We think about him a lot in different periods of time of the day or the week. But Jesus isn't talking about that. He's talking about living in us, being in us, growing in us. And as we remain in him and he in us, that this is, this is kind of covenantal stuff for those of you who've around over the last few weeks. This, this is two becoming one new, one brand new being. We in him and he in us. His life in us. This is why Christianity goes way beyond other world religions. Buddha set out some wonderful, wonderful teachings and he bequeathed the world his teachings. Great, so we read his teachings, what have we got? We've got a pile of collections, a collection of teachings from Buddha. We haven't got Buddha in us. He never claimed that. Muhammad left us the book, Quran. Great, so we have this great holy book. We can refer to it. But Muhammad never promised to live within his adherents, his believers. Jesus is unique in that. He has his teachings. There is this, the, the book, the scripture. But more than that, I will live in you. I was uh, saying at the earlier service, we had a... Um, uh, a school service here earlier on this week and um, they kindly invited me to say a few words as part of the service and at the end as the parents um, of the children filed out they you know, thanked me for the service and thank you, thanks for the, you know, your, your few words that was very nice, thank you very much and one of them said you know, it's, it's good, it's good to, to be made to think every now and then and I thought it was a lovely thing to say and, it was, and, and actually you know, I think um, very encouraging and, and quite right yes it is good to be made to think every now and then but it's not what Jesus is saying here it's not just that we remain in him so that every now and then we think about him. We remain in him so that he continues to live in us. Something that the early church leaders, Peter, who was around Jesus uh, for all of his ministry, in his second letter, um, just for the reference if you, if you want to look it up after, but uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, 
He talks about um, this uh, godly life, this divine power from God to enable us to live godly life so that, uh, uh, so that through them, verse four of chapter one, through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. There's a new way to live. It's by participation in the divine nature as we remain in him and he in, in us. We, we begin to recognize and allow a participation of the divine nature in us. God, through Christ, by his spirit, living in us. The nearest example I think we have here, sort of tangible example, if you like, is sexual intercourse. Where two people, a man and a woman, I think I'd want to state in current climb, uh, come together in faithful union. They get to know each other. They know their thoughts, their, their interests, their hobbies and everything. But that isn't enough. There's more that can, can define their intimacy. It is actually, it's not just a, it's not just a coming together, it's a, it's a penetration. It's the interpenetration of lives. Acted out physically in sexual intercourse, which is an indication of the, the closeness that is possible between two different beings. And if we were to push that analogy further, that is how new life is formed. Joe and I haven't been able to conceive any children just by holding hands or sort of knowing a lot about each other, although we do a bit of that, but that doesn't know how you get children. I won't go into how you get children, you know. But, <laughs> but it is something, you know, it's a whole dimension more than that. It is, it is the fusing together, two becoming one. And Jesus is talking here about fruit, the fruit of God, if you like, the fruit of the Spirit. It comes through an interpenetration, his life in us, and we remain in him. Of course, the, the analogy breaks down because in the human realm, sex is an occasional act, whereas Jesus, this is permanence that he's offering. It, it goes way beyond anything that in the human realm, if I can put it like that, we could ever imagine. Remain in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. John 15 verse 5. So briefly, three consequences, three actions, three results if you like, three things to chew on, to meditate on as a result of this interpenetration of the spirit, the divine and the human. One is to resist the temptation to self-reliance. The sin of self-reliance. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. And we say, wait a minute. Hang on. This is another example where the Bible kind of oversteps itself. And Jesus says something he doesn't really mean. He can't really mean that. Every single one of us, if we think about our daily lives, think about the people we, we live and work with uh, in our offices, in our uh, staff rooms uh, on our street. Think of the people, many of whom would not claim to know Jesus at all, maybe in uh, sort of antipathetic to the Christian faith. And yet they achieve loads of things. They're, they're good people. They, they uh, hold down good jobs. They earn good salaries. They have nice houses to live in, good lot, nice holidays, nice friends, nice wife, nice family, husband, children, whatever it might be. You know, they're doing well. I'm tempted to say they're doing better than me. 
Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. It's clearly rubbish. But I want to suggest that activity and having lots of things that fill our days and fill our lives and fill our houses and our garages and fill up our CVs, activity and achievement isn't the same as fruit. All those things are good. An atheist, someone who doesn't believe that God even exists, who shows that does a good or kind or thoughtful act for the neighbor. It's a wonderful thing. But it's just not, I don't think, what Jesus is talking about as fruit here. It's interesting. Do you notice in um, verse 2 of chapter 15, Jesus says of the father, the gardener, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So that it will be even more fruitful. Say a little bit more about that in a few weeks. But it's not interesting. Even, even branches in the vine bear no fruit. What does that mean? Do they, do they just, I mean, if we flesh that out into human terms, is that just a, someone who just wakes up and does absolutely nothing all day? No. They're active. They're busy. They're doing all sorts of things. I'm sure these branches that Jesus is referring to, people who kind of uh, refer themselves in terms of Christian relationship with God, understanding of God, I'm sure they're doing stuff. I'm sure they have CVs. I'm sure they have lives that are packed full and busy. I'm sure they look great. But it's not fruit as Jesus understands it. We can only bear fruit that reflects Jesus Christ in our lives if we're connected to him. That's the fruit that Jesus is talking about. That's the fruit that ultimately will last. That's the fruit that he promises will flourish in our lives as we are connected to him. So the test for those of us connected to the vine is actually not do I trust and rely on on Jesus Christ when I, I need him, when I'm in trouble, when I don't think I can cope on my own. That's relatively straightforward. I've been doing quite a lot of that recently. I've, if I'm honest, I've been, I've been so grateful to, to Judith Hare, sparing, sparing her blushes, but she's volunteered to help out in the office uh, over the last few months when we haven't had an administrator. And I, from time to time, I found it really tough. And that's when I've been driven to my knees. Oh, Lord. Well, that's not the test for me or for you in whatever tough or testing time for you. The test is actually, do we rely on Jesus Christ? Do we come to him? Do we remain in him even when we think we can get on without him? When we think we can do it in our own strength? That's the acid test. I was listening to um, someone on the, uh, the radio just this morning, actually. He was uh, uh, someone working in the city saying it's really tough to work in the city as a Christian in the, in the financial world because um, you're bound by all, sort of, all sorts of ethical restraints and codes. And uh, your colleagues can easily earn so much more money than you because um, they're not bound by any ethical restraints. They can, just, they can do whatever they want, irrespective of the ethics or the morality. So they'll always, he said, they'll always earn more money than you. It's hard to be a Christian. And as I listened to that with this sermon in mind, I thought, I, 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 I think you've misunderstood fruit. I think you've misunderstood being connected to the vine with respect. I think of someone that a number of us here will know. Uh, I don't think you'll mind me naming him. A chap called Ken Costa. used to be vice chairman of Warburg's Bank. One of the most influential bankers, individual bankers in the city. Uh, an extraordinary minister within the bank. He's not called to be a vicar or a 
doctor or a surgeon. He's called to be a banker. He's called to make money, and he knows it. But it's a battle. He describes how every single day he looks up at the, the flag at the Swiss bank, and he uses that as a visual aid. He says, you have no power over me, as he walks into the bank. He spends less hours in that bank every day than all of his contemporaries. He, get, he gets there later, he leaves earlier, and he often goes off to other meetings. He's often doing, he's, he's church warden of, a, of um, Holy Trinity Brompton, which is a relatively big church, and that's a relatively sizable volunteer role. And he does that, and he has four children and a wife and various other things. He, he lives a life. And God makes money through him. God is fruitful through him because he abides in Christ. He's not interested in what he can achieve or his CV or all of that stuff. It's the fruitfulness as he remains in Christ. So as we give up our self-reliance, as we allow God's life in us, we'll see fruitfulness. That's one challenge. The second challenge is to banish small ambition. As we remain in Jesus and he in us, let's banish small ambition born of compromise. Born of compromise. See, it follows on from self-reliance. If we think that fruit-bearing is ultimately down to us, if we think that we've got to produce the fruit, then that's where we start to make the effort. That's where we start to work hard in the wrong way. We start to sort of patch on bunches of grapes onto our branches because we detect that actually the branches are dry of sap and are beginning to become disconnected from the vine. And so we work harder to keep up appearances. What should I say here as a, as, as a branch attached to the vine? What should I do? How should I react? Where should I be? What should I say? And we work harder and harder, a greater effort at walking up the down escalator in order to keep up appearances because we've become more focused on outward conformity than inner transformation. We're losing connection with the vine, his life-giving spirit in us. And so we compromise, we grow weary. It's hard work trying to people please, trying to keep up with everyone else. We're trudging up the down escalator. Look what Jesus says in verse seven. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. We don't do it for our own glory. We don't do it for our own CVs, for our own pride or satisfaction. We do it for him. And as we do it for him, as we seek to be connected to him, we can do anything. Ask, ask anything of the life that is growing in you. This life that was raised from the dead. This life that is seated at the right hand of God on high. Ask and it will be given to you as we remain in him and he in us. Give up small ambition, born of compromise. And finally, thirdly, briefly, let's look for potential in others. Let's see other people as God sees them. As we are connected in the vine, let's try and discern where they are connected. Where, where are they drawing their sap from? It may well be that uh, we encounter people, say, on a, on a Sunday morning, a gathering like this, and uh, they're relatively new to us, perhaps. And, and they don't know, you know where to sit or when to stand or what to do. They don't, they, you know, and they can appear like they're not part of the club. 
But actually, do you know, there's something about Jesus that's drawn them. And there's something of a connection to the vine. Paul says in his letter to the Philippians, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Connection, sap, fruitfulness. Even if the outward appearances are, you know, dysfunctional or slightly messy or I don't know, just all sorts of gaps and problems and different dysfunction. Well, let's just patiently pray and see if we can watch for signs of God at work in those lives. Many people, I believe, actually where God is at work in their lives who don't, aren't here on a Sunday morning. Wouldn't think of coming here on a Sunday morning and yet God is stirring. God is sowing. God is planting something in their lives. And the challenge for us is actually to get out of here and to see that in our places of work, in our offices, in our community, in our streets. That's why it's so good to get out for fair on the green, just to see what God is doing in people's lives. And conversely, the sussed people, the people who appear to have it all together, the people who just, they just seem to have life licked, as it were. But let's, let's just discern, actually, have they just got really good and proficient at trudging up the down escalator? They do it really well. They've learned how they can make the effort up the down escalator. And every now and then, it's in a conversation. Have you had this experience where you, maybe you're in conversation and you say something? Just something maybe about the way in which you live your life, a little value that you have linked in with being grafted to the vine. And it completely blows their world. I had this example the other day. Uh, just talking about, um, uh, well, it was, it was a kind of priority with the expenditure of money. And this sussed person had it all together, all nice and neat. Could not believe that this third party chose to spend money in that way, completely rocked their world, had no idea that people could think that way about how to steward their money, and that they would even conceive of spending it that way, completely blew them. And I think for a moment there was revelation there. There was, there was dynamic breakthrough as that person thought, I'm, I'm trudging up a down escalator. Well, what am I doing this for? There's another way of seeing things, there's another way of living. We should be open to that, to that possibility as, we, as we're connected to the vine, as we trust in his life in us, as we know that to be the, the way to live, the way to produce fruit, fruit that God recognizes, fruit that the, that the gardener will look to grow and cultivate, we should challenge others who are actually just accumulating dead branches in their lives and encourage those, even if they're tiny saplings, with the life of God in them. This is the air I breathe your Holy Spirit living in me. You are my daily bread. I, I'm desperate for you. I'm lost without you, Jesus. I'm the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's have a moment of quiet to reflect on those words of Jesus. To formulate in the quietness of our hearts our own prayer by way of response. Are you conscious of areas of self-reliance, self-dependence, things that you do, you don't allow God to do in you? Will you ask him now in the quietness of your heart to come into that place of work or that relationship 
dealing with particular emotions or issues, challenges. Is your ambition for godly living too small? Ask, Jesus says, and it will be given to you. Is God showing you someone, someone that you know, maybe not that well, but just someone that you could approach either to encourage his life in them or to challenge with all their activity and busyness there's a more fruitful way of living. Father, we trust your words have life. We pray now by your spirit, make these words of yours live in us. Help us, Lord, to remain in you. Cause us, Lord, please, to be fruitful for your sake. We want to live for your glory, showing ourselves to be your disciples. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.